Those are some of the best cookies I've ever had, honestly. Oh, great. Well, I hope I'm not ruining this surprise, but uh, Hillary's planning to bring some over to you. Incredible. Um, so get ready. But yeah, I, I like them too. Something about how horrible they are for you. Are they really? Well, peanut butter is bad for you. Chocolate is bad for you. Peanut, but peanuts and are good. It's good fat. Peanut. That's exactly what I literally just had this conversation with Hillary. I was like, peanuts are good. And then Hillary was like, yeah, and so skippy peanut butter. And I was like, oh, really? And she was like, no. I don't think it's that bad. Yeah, it's not that bad, Hillary. Yeah. No, but it's the only thing in here that you can... Okay, you know what's in here in equal parts to peanut butter? What? Crisco. <laughs> Did you hear that? Oh, yeah. Got the, the Crisco? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yikes. Crisco's not good for you, in my no, mind. No, no, one, no one. Even the Crisco lobby is, is backed away from that fight. No, I. All right, well, I, uh, we can't. We can't litigate this right now. Uh, we got a basketball podcast to produce here. <laughs> okay. Uh, you want to welcome people back, folks? You better welcome back to another episode of maybe next time. <laughs> I am your host, William, with my co-host Simon McCormack. Nets Nation, remember, if you fall, you can pick yourself back up again and fall two more times. <laughs> we are back as we are each and every unrelenting week to talk all things Nets Nation. And Simon, have we ever got a show in store for our listeners this week. We've got James Harden MVP talk. We've got trades. We've got a theme and then a little thing I like to call Katie's injury update. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler alert. Not good. <laughs> I, I honestly, yeah, we will get to it. <laughs> how are you feeling this week, Simon? That's what people want to know before we talk. Any hoops, they want to know how is co-host Simon M.C. Cormack feeling <laughs> this week? Um, the MCs rocking those turntables. Ooh, yeah. uh, no, I'm, do- I'm doing... <laughs> do people... I don't think turntables really exist these days. I think it's all a computer. No, no, no. Turntables are definitely... I was reading a thing in the New York Times about the underground party slash rave scene during COVID in New oh, York. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And there was definitely one guy who was like, really trepidatious about doing one of these things, one of these parties, because not because, you know, you'd be exposed to inevitably exposed to COVID, but um, because the cops would almost certainly come and they could confiscate his turntables. Ah, yeah. Have you gotten down much with the underground party and or rave (laughs) scene over the last year? No. (laughs) Man, that would be cool to be involved they, they in. They love when the 36-year-old bald guy shows up. <laughs> They're like, fuck yeah, this is really yeah, underground. First of all, glad you slid into my DMs to discover where <laughs> this was at. And two, glad you were able to make it after sliding into the DMs. <laughs> no problemo, where's the nitrous or other drugs that I assume you're doing here? <laughs> nitrous. <laughs> is it that a thing? Right? I don't know. If it is, I'm not aware you, of it. You uh, you inhale it? I'm so old. <laughs> yeah, I think you can inhale know. nitrous. I'm not sure if it has a fun effect or not. If people do it? What am I thinking of? I don't know. There is something. <laughs> <laughs> it's like something with a tank. Yeah. You do it with a Freon? tank. Freon? Freon? No, it's not Freon. <laughs> That's what think. Tim and Jay used to like. That was Freon? On. Yeah, that was Freon. Oh, maybe that's what I'm thinking of. I don't know. Something from a tank. Okay. So, <laughs> anyway, uh, as you can tell, we've been spending a lot of time at some underground parties. Uh, I wonder if, like, if, if, if this had happened a decade ago... If we would have tried to get into one of those. I wonder, too. 
Okay, great. Well, now <laughs> I let's... Want, I mean, you know, we, we, there's probably one to two people we know who might have known about an underground yeah, party. Yeah, we definitely associated with people at that time who would have been cool enough to know about something like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, whether that would have translated to us getting the invite and us following through on our dreams of... <laughs> right, especially because my turntables would have gotten confiscated. Right, right. I know they are... Your babies. <laughs> my, ba- my babies. Your, I can't go anywhere without my babies. Your babies. I'm, I'm a wax nut. All right, Simon. Let's start off the show. I want to do a little stat station here for us. Okay. Um, and the theme of the stat station is, is there a case for James Harden being MVP? So as you know, anyone with a pulse in in the NBA universe uh, is aware that much that you know there are few things that can be discussed as perennially and consistently as the MVP race, right? Every week, it's week three of the season, and there's a five tiers of, of MVP candidates. Is it LeBron? Is it Embiid? Is it Jokic? Blah, 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 blah. Harden has been balling out so hard with the Brooklyn Nets recently that his name, in spite of the fact that he... Uh, uh, in spite of uh, the fact that he forced his way out of Houston, which many people didn't like, um, I certainly was not one of those people, but many people didn't like that, uh, are suddenly saying that he is, if not like a front of the line contender, he's in the conversation now. Um, and so I just wanted to drill down into to what his case may be. Um, statistically, from a statistic, a statistic uh, perspective, and then I wanted us to to maybe have a little conversation on whether or not we think that he deserves to be in that MVP conversation. Okay. okay. Um, so first thing, I think for any of this to even uh, potentially happen, for him to have a legitimate chance, Simon, I would say two things need to absolutely happen. One, the Nets need to finish with at least the best record in the East, if not in the entire league. And that, I think, would legitimately propel him into a contender, like a a serious, serious contender. And two, I think KD would have to miss a whole lot more time. Because no one's going to vote for a guy who is the second best player on his team for MVP. Um, so if KD comes back, I think, and, you know, relatively soon, I think any hope of, of Harden's MVP run immediately evaporates. So let's look at the statistical case for him being MVP right now. And all of the numbers I'm going to give you, um, both uh, like concrete counting n- numbers and more advanced uh, metrics, are all including his time in Houston. So they're they're a little bit lower. The the like theoretically by the end of the season they'll go up because he was dogging it in Houston. Right. Okay, so his counting numbers. He's got incredible counting stats. He's first in the league in assists by a mile at eleven point two assists a game. He's fourteenth in the league in scoring. Again, that's gonna go up. I would guess he's top ten, if not top five, by the end of the season. Um, especially if KD doesn't come back. And he's 20th in the league in rebounding. So he's getting an insane number of rebounds. He's 8.1 for the season, 9.1 in his time with the Nets. So those are going to go up, but those are good counting numbers. If a guy is in you know, the top 10 in all three of those categories, which is a possibility for him uh, by the end of the season, that's a good counting, counting numbers. His advanced numbers are also quite good, and I'm going to go through these relatively quickly. He's fifth in the league in win shares. He's seventh in VORP, which is fun to say uh, and <laughs> nebulous as to what it actually means. All these are sort of fuzzy, weird things. You don't know exactly what the algorithm is to get to him. But VORP stands for value over replacement player. So he's seventh in that. He's eighth in three categories, BPM which is box plus minus RPM, which is um, real plus minus and is my favorite of all of these. Uh, Also, LeBron is number one in that. Just side note for my personal MVP uh, vote. And he is eighth in PIE, player impact 
estimate. So he's top 10 in every um, advanced metric except for one PER. He is actually 17th in PER. Mm. Um, behind Kyrie and KD. He's ahead of Kyrie and KD and literally all these other ones, but in PER he is not. So, you know, really good season, right? Like I would say for me, it is the best, like since I've been a very hardcore Nets fan, so since 2013 or 14, um, I would say that this is far and away the best season I've ever seen a Net have. Would you agree with that? Yes. D'Angelo Russell's season was great, but I don't think... I think you can say this is better. Yes. D'Angelo Russell season was, I think I, I may have enjoyed it more because it, it, you know, he was our guy. He was a scrappy team. It was a better story than this one, but there was no time. I mean, D'Angelo Russell was an injury replacement on the all-star team. James Harden is a legitimate MVP candidate, even though he did like the unforgivable thing of demanding out of a team earlier in the season, but he's just been so good. And the Nets are so dominant um, that he's, you know, the team (laughs) he's led a team. He's been the best player on a team that is, first or or I guess now second in the East. Um, Whereas with the D'Lo team, we had to fight and scrape. We got sixth at the end of the season, I believe, but still we were at the, we were the, we were second tier of the East. We weren't, we were not at the top of the East. So what do you think? Um, Does any, do do any of those things, where where do you think he stands on the, the MVP race? Do any of those advanced metrics or individual metrics or just like what you see on the court, does any of it make you feel like he needs to be in the conversation for NBA MVP this year? I think he needs to be in the conversation. I, I, I definitely believe that. Um, especially when you look at, um, you know, some of the, so, so, Giannis, right? But they're not going to give it to him a third time. There's almost no chance. Yeah. I think narratively, um, it just, it, it won't happen for him. Right. Embiid, um, is he back yet? No, he's out. For, I wish he's on my fantasy team. He's out for <laughs> a couple more weeks. So, yeah. So if, if he comes back, you know, in that two weeks, I would say he's got a better case because Philly has the better record. Um, and um, also, yeah, Embiid has never won it. I do think there's a bias against people who have won it. Um, and um, but yeah, I mean, but he's no guarantee, right? He could get hurt again, or he, you know, he often, you know, has um, he, he's known for his inconsistency. So, so he's not a lock, but I, I think he's ahead. Um, and then LeBron, of course, who one could just get it on his own merits, um, and two, I think. I have heard people talk about, like, you know, the need to get him, like, a Lifetime Achievement Award type MVP. Yeah. Even, even if maybe individually he's not. Right. And doesn't then, have the best. Then there are a couple other guys like Dame and Jokic who are just, like, Dame's crunch number. He's, like, 60, 50, 100. Like, he hasn't missed a single free throw in crunch time. He's shooting mm. over 50% from three in crunch time. And Jokic is just obliterating everyone on these advanced numbers and, you know, almost averaging a triple-double and is really good, but his team isn't quite good enough. Um, so, right. like, these guys are all really good, and I think, I think an interesting uh, way that I heard the Harden case framed was, like, the the Houston debacle doesn't disqualify him, but in a tiebreaker, that's going to be like the thing that that you're gonna use and be like, all right, well, if if it's close between like him and LeBron, right? The narrative of LeBron deserving a lifetime achievement versus like, do we give it to a guy who forced himself out of a team um, that that we find like un unsavory. Uh, then then LeBron's right. going to win that narrative. So, like, because Harden isn't putting together a season where it's, like, first in win shares, first in VORP, first in BPM, team is the best in the league, and he's the best scorer and assister in the league. You know, like, if you had something like that where it just statistically overwhelmed you, then maybe he could do it. But since he's just, like, in the mix with these guys, that Houston thing yeah. will probably be used to, to drop him down a peg. Yeah, and I mean, you know, yeah, and I think you could make a case without that for for the other players as well. Yeah. Like, I don't think you need to rely on the 
the the Houston thing. But but yes, I mean these are incredible incredible numbers to the point I said in a week or two ago, like because we've just not had any stars really on our team. Like I don't really know what like the difference between like a star player and an MVP candidate. Like I'm just like oh this is what like a star does. They're amazing. Right. better than that yeah no i mean he he's been he's been spectacular i i mean i think he's he's obviously helped this team a tremendous amount um but i i really hope that it will sort of fade from the conversation because that will mean in my mind that kd is back and i really really want him uh to come back but it should also be said Kyrie is having a a really spectacular season offensively he actually had the highest offensive rating of any NBA player. Um, and as we know from the game last night in Orlando, he blew up for like 43 or something like that. He had over 40 points. Um, but we lost. Yes. And I didn't do this, but I would be kind of curious because you and I remember well Kyrie Irving's first game as a net against the Timberwolves last season. He blew up for 50, maybe even more than 50 points, at least 50 points, against the Timberwolves, and we lost. So he's, you know, he like he's, he's spectacular. He has these nights where he just completely uh, overwhelms on the offensive end. But I feel like when we get really transcendent offensive nights from Kyrie, like where he just scores huge numbers of points, it doesn't correlate to team success. Now that is a feeling, and I haven't looked like looked through and seen like in games where Kyrie Irving scores forty points or more, like what our record is. But I'd be curious to see if if there's anything to that. Yeah, I, I'm I'm not sure. Yeah, um, I I will say that this that in this particular game I saw a stat that uh, we we hit like 24% of our wide open three pointers and we came into the game shooting 43% on, on those typically. Um, so I do think it was, I mean, we played our pretty crappy defense against a not very good offensive team, but, um, in addition to that, we just didn't make shots that we normally make. Well, speaking of defense, why don't we just talk about Nick Claxton for a second? <laughs> sure. I mean, we, we, we talked about it last time. I, mean, I think we're going to talk about it every week until he's a starter and none none of us can remember who DeAndre Jordan is, but my God, like (laughs) I know I was, I saw an article earlier today and I I didn't have anything written down that we like needed to talk about Claxton. I don't think we necessarily do, but like the, the duo of him and Jeff green on the court has, you know, these aren't huge sample sizes, but is like a top 10 net rating for any duo in the league. And the the um, pairing of Claxton and Joe Harris on the court is literally the number one net rating of any duo in the entire NBA. It's who in who in Joe, Joe, Harris? Joe Harris and Nick Claxton. Oh, yeah. wow. So Nick Claxton is, uh, you know, he's a revelation. I, I, I had always hoped he would be amazing and sort of like I thought he was so cool looking. I thought the idea of him was really amazing. Like, oh, he can dribble. He used to be a point guard. Maybe he can shoot. But he was a he was a fantasy, you know, like he didn't he wasn't an, an actual player. But then when you watch him play and again, it's been a small sample size, like the guy can handle the ball really well. That's something we have not had as a, at a center as a center for a long time. He shot the ball really well from three in the G League last year maybe that can translate to the nba and then defensively he can guard one through five like you can tell that teams just don't know who he is right they're like their guard will be because we switch everything and their guard will get on on nick claxton they're like cool i'm on the center i'm gonna drive it and score and nick claxton stays with him the entire way to the basket and they almost never score so it's just like it's sorry go ahead no, no. I was just gonna say, yeah. You, 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 and now you're seeing where like the magic uh, didn't seem like they really wanted to to um, do roll run pick and rolls when he was on the court because they didn't want um, they didn't want the guard to be switched on to uh, to Nick. Right. No, it's. Um, I, I mean, how how excited about Claxton are you, or do you think that? Uh, do you think maybe he's just playing out of his head and he's going to come back down to earth? 
Well, no, I mean, I'm, I'm very excited. I, 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 I'm, it's a little him and, and Bruce Brown and Bruce has kind of taken a little bit of a, um, he, he's kind of trending down a little bit right now, but, um, but he and Bruce Brown have been two of the like little tastes of like Nets past, right? When you're like, Oh, this like is a fun story of a young and up and coming and un- unknown person, you know, playing better, you know, playing better. Like the, the old story, you know, like Spencer Dinwiddie, when he first started doing that and, 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 um, you know, Joe Harris, et cetera, et cetera. Like the, those two are kind of the, a, a little, um, reminder of, of old school nets. And by old school, I mean like two years ago. Right. Really quite recent. Yeah. But no, I, he's, he's amazing. I can't say, you know, I, I'm always very happy when, when he comes into the game. And, yeah. Yeah. I, I, and I, go ahead. And I, and I also, um, the last two games, uh, he has closed. Um, so that is something to keep, something to keep in mind and, and something I plan on hitting on, um, spoiler alert in our theme. Do you think later there's a chance that he takes DeAndre's starting spot um, before we podcast again next week? No. Uh, by I, the I end of the season? By the end of the season, maybe. I, I, I do think maybe. But I, I think right now it's it's a little too – I feel like the politics are a little too dicey. Okay. All right. Um, but, yeah. Uh, all right, Simon, I've got a question of the week for you. Okay. Do you think Blake Griffin ever logs a minute as a net? Uh, <laughs> and now, I do. Now, I'm sorry, I, I apparently asked one of the world's boringest questions <laughs> because that was... That was not a yawn. That that was you falling into a like a soporific stupor there for a, a second. Are you are you okay? I have narcolepsy. Uh, no, I look. Um, I uh, no. I um, I think that he will play a bit. I, I think that he will get. I mean, look. We are still giving lots of minutes to um, to um, yeah. I mean, Tyler Johnson's getting some minutes. Um, TLC is kind of still in the mix. Like, there's minutes to be had of people that are fringe NBA players um, at, at at best. So you buy then that he's just out of shape? Because I thought he was playing quite a few minutes for Detroit before we got <laughs> no. him. Well, so they are they are working him back. So he hadn't played for like three weeks or something, um, and he was healthy enough to play. The line is he was healthy enough to play, but they were kind of trying to condition his knee up. They were seeing some like, you know, some things they thought they could strengthen via like treatments and and exercise. So I think they were going to do that. But I, I'm I'm reading here on Twitter things that that indicate he might play as soon as Sunday. Uh, Nash said he looks really good. Um, so I think they'll have to put him in for, for a bit, but yeah, I'm not, I am, you know, as, as we talked about, I think we're both not super sold on, on Blake Griffin, especially because he could be stepping in on the minutes of Nick Claxton. Yeah, I think that's it. That's a huge fear for me. Hopefully it's just another guy who takes minutes away from Deandre Jordan. That's (laughs) basically the, Honestly, at this point in my life, the nicest thing I can say about anyone or anything. <laughs> he was by, did you see the stat that uh, DeAndre has been a minus 29 over the last two games and Claxton has been like a plus 30? Yeah, oh no, he's a, it's not hard to see. I mean, it's very obvious that that's the case when you watch the two play. Um, I forget what game I was watching. I think it was three games ago um, and DeAndre was closing it out. Oh, it was the Knicks game. And they kept they closed with DeAndre, and they almost blew that lead. And I was just pulling my hair, like, why is he still in the fucking game? He's he he can't guard anyone. Uh, he's just yeah. There's just no you like you're not going to be lobbing to him at the end of a game, right? Like you don't get a lot of oops at the end of a game. So what <laughs> what 
possible purpose does he serve <laughs> at the end of a game? Um, anyway, uh, you know, I know I'm, maybe we're too, uh, maybe I'm too hard on DeAndre in this podcast, but I, I have zero patience for the guy and really hope to see him out of the rotation soon. Um, so that brings us very nicely to our next segment, Simon, which is called Odds Maker, Odds Maker, Make Me an Odds Maker. <laughs> <laughs> make me an odds maker. Odds maker, odds maker, make me an odds maker. Um, Nets overtake Lakers in Vegas for best odds to win the championship this season, Simon. Hot, wow. hot, 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 hot. How the heck are you feeling about that one? Uh, I'm not buying. Uh, <laughs> I, I just. You, you don't have much faith that this team is going to uh, are, are are going to be a team built to last in the playoffs. Exactly. I think this is a great, a fabulous regular season team when fouls are called a lot and aggressive, um, you know, especially uh, a, a aggressive defense on perimeter players is um, not really allowed. Um, but when um, when the playoffs start, you know, I, I, I'm not sure this team has it. Yeah. I mean, I would say that if you asked me to name the five players, five players I would most want on my team in the last two minutes of a close playoff game, I would say we have two of those five, uh, in Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. Yeah, totally. And in the, if you, if you extend that list to like 10 players I would probably include James Harden even though he is not a super clutch guy he just is you know can do a lot especially if he has guys like that playing near him but um so you know that gives me some confidence but yeah no I I I hear you I think if things get the grit of this team is not tested they are they are clearly uh, when they're going offensively (laughs) it is tough to imagine anyone else keeping up with them but generally you don't see a lot of uh playoff games where teams are scoring 150 points right no exactly so anyway uh i you know i think the league uh, i mean i think people in general are starting to take this team pretty seriously i mean at the beginning of the season just like us uh there were was a lot of skepticism and then with the Harden trade, there was even more skepticism because it's like, oh, you got rid of Jared Allen, who I miss and love and, you know, all of that, and Karis Avert, and getting rid of everyone for these three guys. Can that possibly work? And, you know, even without the three guys, it does seem to be working. <laughs> um, if, you know, the, the wins we're putting up are any indication. But, yeah, I agree. I think this, this – it. We won't know at all what this team looks like until one KD is back and and two um, defenses are really keyed in to what this offense can do. Yeah, I think I'm a little more optimistic than you. I think that they that they have a much higher ceiling now than they ever have. I didn't. I never. I wasn't a big believer that Kyrie and KD would be enough. Um, and I'm a bigger believer in Harden being the, the guy that can help them maybe get to the championship. But I, I am really scared of Philadelphia at full health. Um, and I'm not really that scared of the Bucks. I think the, I think the Heat could be one of those teams if we meet them in like the second round. That's just a team. That is a gritty team that knows how to win. They're extremely disciplined. You know, we saw what they did in the bubble last year. They're sort of everything that we're we're not, but they have great shooting, you know, if they need it. Um, and they, they can be really potent offensively, but they can also lock in defensively and do some really interesting stuff that I think, you know, could Foxes. So those are the two teams right now in the East, the Philadelphia and the Heat, that I'm not I'm not confident. I wouldn't want to. I, I, I'm not looking forward to matching up against. Yeah, you want to know who my ultimate uh, first round nightmare team to, to play is? Who? The Knicks. Ooh. Uh, because I think the Knicks, like, the, the closing parts of that game is how, like, 
you know, every minute of playoff basketball is um, played, and you wouldn't get. We, we kind of got. I gotta say, I don't want to sound like a a um, secret Knicks fan. I, I'm truly not, but like we got some star calls there towards the end on on fouls um, I, that I don't think we would get in in the playoffs. I thought that 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 end of game. Uh, situation. I mean, one, it was a, it was a collapse of the Nets. But I think if there if there's a case to be made for why Thibodeau should be Coach of the Year, that end of game was evidence. You know, like Exhibit A for why right. why he should. It was just we're so conditioned to just assume that okay, end of game means team behind goes and automatically fouls team ahead. That team shoots, makes free throws, the last 30 seconds take fucking 40 minutes and the game draws out to its inevitable conclusion where the team behind loses. Thibodeau's strategy was don't foul, trap and try to steal. You know, right. And they did. They they trapped and stole, and they almost yeah. came back and won. <laughs> and it was incredible. <laughs> it was amazing. The second the second time that happened, like I can just imagine them being like, "Okay, whoof, boy, that was a weird thing they tried that time." Oh God, they did. It oh again. God, they're not just automatically three, fouling. How do we do there's anything? Three, <laughs> there's three people around me. <laughs> like, what the fuck do you do against that? Three people? Like, you could tell both times that happened. Both James Harden and Joe Harris were like. I don't know. Like, it's never happened to me before. <laughs> right. This is where you have the traditional, completely boring ending to a game where I'm automatically fouled. Let's get back to that. Um, anyway, I thought that was a spectacular end to the game. I mean, I'm very glad the Nets pulled it out. But I was just extremely impressed that that wasn't just like – that wasn't how that one ended. That made the the last – the end of a game which in, which – because there isn't something cool like the Elam ending, that that made the end actually interesting. And I don't understand like why other teams don't do that. I mean, I, I can't imagine the the Knicks. I mean, the Knicks didn't do much more than just try to trap someone and not foul. Like, why aren't other teams attempting to do that? Yeah, they've got that Thibodeau discipline. Right. William. It didn't work, but so maybe that's why they don't try it. But um, the other way doesn't work either, and it's it's a far more boring product that's put out there. Anyway, let's get to the th- 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 oh wait no trades. I was about trades. to jump ahead to the theme trades. So in trades, we're going to start with the headline of the week, Simon. Okay. Shams Sharania of the Athletic, not a friend of the podcast though. Shams, if you're interested in coming on. We're willing to have you. Don't you think we'd have him? Yes. <laughs> you wouldn't turn your nose up at having one of NBA's in like premier insiders come onto this podcast? No, I wouldn't, honestly. Um, all right. So Shams your headline is Nets still in Andre Drummond buyout sweepstakes. Not interested in P.J. Tucker. P.J. Tucker is off the market. He's in in Milwaukee and good riddance. Nobody needs that old sack of potatoes anyway. That's um, sad, William. I was really I was really hoping we'd get him. I'm relieved that we didn't. I think that the rumors may be true, and he is uh, like a 24-hour laundromat washed. Um, but. Yeah, maybe he's good. Maybe maybe you know he'll he'll be the difference maker in a in a Bucks Nets series, and I'll have to eat my eat crow. Um, Andre Drummond buyout sweepstakes. Do you think he's going to get traded, or do you think there's a chance he gets bought out? I think he's going to get bought out. I think he's going to get bought out too. Uh, lots of buzz about a guy I have loved ever since he was a Louisville Cardinal. Are they Cardinals? Uh, that red sounds bird. right. Yeah. They are red. I think it's card. I think it is cardinal. Okay, so since he was a cardinal of Louisville, Gorgie Jang. <laughs> yes, William. I've been wanting to talk to you about this for a week. Okay, but I've tell kept me, my what, mouth shut just so you, we can do it right now. Yeah, I love it. Tell me, tell me why you're high on Gorgie? Because I, I've always been high on the guy. Yeah, you had him on your fantasy team, right? Years ago, years ago. Yeah, I don't. I mean, he's pretty awful now in fantasy. But that's only because <laughs> he doesn't get a lot of run. He does in his defense, he doesn't get a lot of run. But he puts up defensive stats and has good good field goal. You know, isn't going to hurt you in any category, really. Right. 
No, I, I think he – I agree with um, John Hollinger. I mean I, I agree with him in that I had never thought of him before John Hollinger mm. mentioned him. I, I must say I was not scouring the, the possible buyout candidates <laughs> thinking Gorgie Dang would be good. I did not think of that. But, but um, yeah, from his profile, it, it sounds very good. And I would even argue – William, I'm curious what you think. I would even argue better than Drummond. Um, because of some, because he can shoot threes, um, he's more def- defense oriented. Doesn't get the rebounds that you'd like, but he's not terrible. Um, and just yeah, like a kind of a more switchable kind of springy. I don't know, springy is now that he's in his early thirties, but you know, just like is he a that old? Bit, I think so. Uh, you might be right. Keep going. Keep going though. Keep going. I'll look it up. He's like. Yeah, I think he fits the Nets profile both defensively and offensively as well, if not better, than than any of the other centers that, that have been mentioned. Um, I think he'd be good at switching. I think he'd be good at for protecting the rim. And I think, you know, he yes, he, he is a credible enough threat from three. Yeah, I, I agree on all those all those fronts. I I think he's especially if we got him on the on the buy off. Buyout market? Yes. If, if we did not, it, I mean, yeah, I'm, I, it's sort of hard to think of. I guess we could, if we traded, he's making like $18 million or something like that, I think. Right. You think like Spencer Dinwiddie and... And uh, something, though, is that, yeah, I'm not sure how we get up to the rest. But, but yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, and I'm hoping to use Spencer on some kind of wing is my, is my hope, William. Yeah. Um, Okay, but. so let's let's talk. I, okay, so we're both in on Jang. I think I think it'd be a great addition. Yeah. Uh, we got Spencer Dinwiddie, and he is getting a ton of trade buzz <laughs> right now. If uh, <laughs> if I'm getting Bleacher Report alerts on my phone that Spencer Dinwiddie in trade talks, you know, then you know something is happening now. Listeners, longtime listeners of this show will know that we have talked about Spencer Dinwiddie getting traded approximately since the time <laughs> we had heard of Spencer Dinwiddie as a player uh, in this league. So uh, this is certainly far from guaranteed. There are there there is another like weird sect of Nets Twitter that's like, no way Spencer's getting traded. He's go- he's coming back for the playoffs, baby. That's a secret yeah. weapon. <laughs> no, it, it is. It's such Nets Twitter as as teeny as it is has a lot of factions. Yes. Oh my God. It's a very. <laughs> it's it's worse than. It's more sectarian than the left uh, politically. <laughs> <laughs> Who's the force to vote? Who's the the sort of heterodox uh, trending rightward folks? Who's the <laughs> right. the uh, hyper intellectuals who are always talking about books? Right, Trotsky. Who's the Trotsky is? Who's the, yeah, <laughs> you, you've you've got a lot lot going on there on the left. Uh, of course, we're swimming around somewhere in there, but right now we're in basketball left, which is Nets right. basketball Twitter, and. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. So where where are you on the on the spectrum of Spencer's a a, a uh, secret weapon that we're going to hold on to for the playoffs versus Spencer's obviously if we can get anything for Spencer Dinwiddie, a guy who all, all reports are will not be resigning with the Nets next season. Um, where are you on that spectrum? I am way on that end. Okay. Uh, like I, I just yeah. He's probably not going to play at all this year. There, yes, as you said, there's sort of rumors that maybe he could play, but even if he does, like how how many minutes are we going to want a guy coming off a catastrophic injury who hasn't played in an entire year? Like, are we like, oh, thank God, Spencer Dinwiddie's back? We are fucked if that's what we think. <laughs> um, so yeah, I would take anything we can get. I saw um, Olenek could could be uh, could be out there, and I, I mentioned that as because um, the Heat are rumored by um, I think Bagley, Ian Bagley, uh-huh. or Scotto, some somebody, one of those two. I think. Oh, poor Mike Scotto. Said that he <laughs> said that Olenek could be made available by the Heat. I don't really know why he's playing like twenty seven minutes for them. No, he's so good. He contributes, true. but I think maybe with. Um, 
Adebayo and Jimmy coming back, maybe, I don't know, he doesn't have as much of a role, but yeah, seems like he's, yeah, he could definitely contribute. I could see him being good on the, on the Nets. Yeah, I, I would love that. But just anyone, even somebody said like Fournier or something like that. Oh who my I'm not, God, that's amazing. That would be incredible. That Zach Lowe mentioned that as a, as a possibility. Why would that be incredible? I guess I always thought he was kind of a, not very good. No, Fournier is great. He's a really good shooter. I think he's a, a passable defender. Nothing, okay. nothing not to like about Fournier. He's a starting level wing. Okay. Yeah. He'd be, I mean, it'd be hard not to start him. If he was your sixth or seventh man, he'd be great. All right, great. Yeah. No, Fournier would be a massive get. So the, any other any other guys you're looking at for Spence? You know, so this is not for Spence, but I have this in, in my my wildest fantasy, William, where I, I let my, my dreams, you know, truly reach the stars. I have – I wonder if there's some way we could possibly get Harrison Barnes. Now, I don't think we can. I know people are talking about at least like first-round picks and a good young player and et cetera, et cetera. But to me, Harrison Barnes would be like perfecto, perfecto. Wow. Yeah. For Very this. expensive. <laughs> yes, which could make him easier on the on the, the trade meter. But I but mean, harder to put together a trade. For so him. you get Harrison Barnes, and is he starting over Joe Harris? What's what's his role there? No, he's a he's a backup, but he's a beautiful backup. Wow. Okay. Huh. That's a bold one. Hadn't heard that, but could happen. Well, I mean, uh, yeah. I just think like. The ultimate player that I feel like we need is is like an auto porter of a couple of years ago or of a Harrison Barnes now where like they're good offensively and they're good defensively. They're not great at either, but they're good at both. Why not auto porter of today? That seems like a reasonable one to go after. It does seem more reasonable and much more realistic. Uh, but I just, you know, his numbers now are not great. I mean, he's horrible. He's, yeah. <laughs> But he doesn't get a lot of playing so that's time, why. and he's always that's injured. Yeah. <laughs> why not on a porter? I mean, his stats are horrible. Doesn't that <laughs> entice you? Uh, it's situation, baby. <laughs> he needs to be unlocked like Bruce Brown and Claxton. Oh, boy. I mean, he's okay. Last uh, last night he was uh, 9 for 13, 22 points. I see from wow. my stat up here. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. He should maybe get picked up on fantasy. <laughs> I think somebody did. Ah, okay. Smart. <laughs> <laughs> All right, any other trades you got in mind, or should we get to the th- 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 theme? Let's theme it, baby. All right, czar of fun, czar of theme, Simon McCormick, could you tell us what our theme this week is? Well, folks, a um, lot of very, very serious stuff going on in the news, but one not serious thing is um, Biden took a tumble on the... <laughs> Steps of Air Force One, and he was walking up. And uh, if folks haven't seen the clip, um, you know, any jackass fans that we've acquired from last week's episode would <laughs> like this. Um, he, he like, falls. Have you seen it, William? Uh, you sent it to me, and I watched a little tiny bit of it. Okay, so... I mean, I watched the a- fall, and then he got up, and he fell again, and then I think that's when I had to turn away. Okay, I, that's pretty much what happens. He falls one more time, mm-hmm. um, and then he 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 gets finally gets to the top of the stairs and turns around and gives a very meek sort of like sign off. I'm okay, <laughs> um, sort of sort of thing. It is. I mean, again, physical comedy gold. Uh, um, and uh, yes, so for, for with that in mind. I thought we'd do um, embarrassing Nets moments, and encapsulated in, in this, included in this, is both embarrassing things that have happened to William and I at Nets games or related to the Nets or whatever, as well as, you know, embarrassing things that have happened to Nets players or the team as a whole, whatever, like Nets related. Perfect, perfect. So, Nets humiliation. That's exactly. related humiliation. Exactly. Um, okay. Do you want? Uh, I'm gonna give you one to start things off. Okay. So I told Claire about your theme earlier. 
<laughs> and she said she thought a good one would be uh, that KD should be uh, embarrassed that he recruited DeAndre Jordan to this team. Oh, very good. Very good. And I got to say, I agree completely with that. Do you think that he feels that way? I mean, uh, unless he's, you know, not watching the games, yeah. <laughs> Which he might not be. Sometimes he's not there. Right. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, no, um, it, it is, uh, right, you're not, you, you got to kind of be cutthroat with your buddies. Big time. Um, when it when it comes to winning time. And maybe he is. I mean, honestly, the other thing is that his other buddy, James Harden, seems to pretty regularly yell at um, his other buddy, DeAndre. Yes, James Harden so. is irate with, with uh, <laughs> DeAndre and with great reason. <laughs> All right, so what's your first first one? Okay, my first one, William, I'll do, a, I'll do a personal one. We've touched on it before on this podcast, but there is nothing quite so humiliating as getting caught trying to sneak in nippers. Um, <laughs> it is Nippers are small, contained, like airplane booze bottles. Right, exactly. You put them in your pockets or you put them in your socks. Wherever you're putting them, you don't want them to get founded. Yeah. And, uh, and when they and are it, and you're in your mid to late 30s, ooh, <laughs> that don't feel right. It does not feel good, folks. It feel like, conversely, it feels amazing when you when you've gotten through there. Yeah. But um, but yes, it is a deeply, deeply humiliating and shameful experience. Yeah. Uh, agreed. Uh, I, I had that as one of mine as well. Um, another one for me was, I was I was on. We got Miller Miller Light sweaters, Christmas sweaters, one year. And that was a game that your dad and Sally were at. Remember that? And I was, I got on the Jumbotron because I had oh, my yeah. sweater on. And I, like, did a little dance or whatever. And that that's not the embarrassing part. Though I'm sure if I saw the video of it, it would be humiliating. <laughs> I'm sure I looked like a complete fool dancing in my very tight Miller Lite sweater in a, in a Christmas ornament on a Jumbotron. Um, pretty <laughs> drunk, I'd imagine. Um, but the embarrassing part came at halftime when Simon and I went, as we so often do at halftime, to the Jack Daniels stand. And there was a guy in there who recognized oh, me from the Jumbotron. Do you remember this? Yes, I do. Yeah. And he, he was like, oh, my God, you're from the Jumbotron, blah, blah, blah. Like, I'll... I'll, uh, I think he jokingly said, like, I'll get your drink, basically. Drinks on me or something. Yeah. And then the guy got me the drink, or like, the, the bartender got me the drink, and then, like, charged them both to the other guy. And he was like, what? I, I was kidding about that. And the guy was like, oh. And it just got extreme. The bartender was like, oh. And it got extremely awkward. And the bartender was like, you know what? This one's just, it's on me. Don't worry. Like, it's all good. Like, you got it. Right. He's, he's, he jumped on the grenade for Ex you. Yeah, he jumped on the grenade. It was so <laughs> uncomfortable and, and embarrassing. Because, you know, we play it pretty cool. I like to think we have a good rapport with the Jack Daniel stand people. I totally agree. Um, if, I, if, if, if we lose that rapport, I don't know. What right? What else? What else is there in this world than th those their approval of us? There, we're pretty much their only customers, except for that one guy who recognized me from the Jumbotron, and then, <laughs> he mostly just cost them money, right so. and made everything super uncomfortable <laughs> and awkward. Anyway, if you're a listener, uh, thanks for kind of suggesting you'd buy me a drink and then not doing so. Right. Um, that was fun but humiliating. <laughs> uh, I see, by the way, breaking news here on the pod. Uh, Blake Griffin listed as probable for tomorrow's game. Oh, wow. Okay. But that doesn't mean he's going to play. But no, certainly It means not. They, they, they aren't using an injury as a reason. Right. Uh, Do you have any others? Uh, uh, yes. Um, so this one is player-based. This one is your friend... Jaleel Okafor, uh, who 
we got and both of us were like, oh, my God, like, you know, Philadelphia, those idiots, they've let him go and they've given us a second round pick. And the only reason he wasn't getting any playing time was because they have Embiid. But like we have this great player that's just like fallen into our laps. Marx is a genius. And then. And, and Okafor similarly kind of benefited from that narrative. There was like the free jaw movement. It was like this, you know, total injustice. He was sitting on Philadelphia's bench. And then he got to the Nets and there was a series of uh, kind of Blake Griffin level um, uh, excuses made for why he wasn't playing. Like he was needed to get in shape, he, you know, et cetera. And then he just didn't play really. And it was like, oh, well, if this terrible team can't use um, Chili Loco for it, like, and he just had to sit there on the bench. And there were even these, like, really sad articles written about him. Yeah. That was, it was, it was awful. It was very sad. It was really sad. I was super high on Jalil. Still am. Every, I know he's on the Pistons this season. He, I mean, he's still in the league, which, you know, is yeah. not nothing. But, no. um, he has never, never, you know, become the player that I think we both dreamed he would one day become. Yes, absolutely. Uh, do you have another one? Um, not really. Not that we haven't talked about recently. Like, I was going to say that <laughs> the offering Alan Crabb the poison pill thing and then going and... and Signing getting him, him again, getting yeah, him yeah. when he was on the poison pill contract is embarrassing. <laughs> but we've said that in so many, uh, so many different podcasts and so many different times. Yeah, yeah, but that's a bad one. That's a baddie. Yeah, that's, um, that that one hurt. So, William, I, ha- I have I have one last one, and I'm curious what your thoughts are on this, which is DeAndre, the saga of DeAndre Jordan. So, was you know one thing when he was getting outplayed by Jared Allen. Now, Jared Allen was a sought-after, you know, guy who now in his fourth year in the league was just like a genuinely good player. Not a star, but like a very solid role player that almost any team would want on their on their team, right, at the right price at least. And um, so it's one thing to be totally outplayed by him. But now he's being outplayed by Nick Claxton, which is a totally new level of humiliation. Nick Claxton, a second round draft pick who has played, I want to say, I'm going to look it up right now, but it can't have played more than 20 NBA games before in his entire career. No, definitely not. I oh, think no, he had sorry, 25. I'm, I was wrong. 25. Oh, okay. But that, that is still, but much of those, the, the 15 from last year are garbage time. Yeah. Um, but at any rate, 25 games, second round pick, second year in the league is already better than you that when, when you're, you know, um, thought of as like the third piece of this mega, mega signing and, you know, whatever the, the three amigos, like you are so, so such the worst third amigo. You, yeah. Like I'm trying to think of the, you're like. Worse than Snarf on the Thundercats. Right. He's um, Steve Gutenberg in Three Guys <laughs> and a Baby. Yes. Yes. It, it really third wheeling it. <laughs> and nobody wants to be compared to Steve Gutenberg. <laughs> his, his episode on Party Down, I think, is genuinely very funny. Yeah, it's good. He's good. He's, he's, but it's unclear to me. Oh, sorry. What, whether he, he's in on the joke? Yes. Yeah, agreed. Exactly. Um, all right. Well, Simon, it wouldn't be a, a maybe next time podcast if we didn't end with some extreme cynicism and sadness. So <laughs> let's turn to a muscle in the body called the hamstring. Okay. I okay. hate it. I've always hated it. That's <laughs> a big muscle, Simon. And mm. it is a difficult muscle to mend. From if uh, Doctor Jezrawi is any in, uh, any indication, who is that? And what he says about it. it's the guy that uh, Brian Lewis interviewed for oh. his article, that his in-depth look at um, Kevin Durant's hamstring injury, and he said, "This is a quote from Doctor Jezrawi." 
Just rest assured, it's going to take a lot longer than you think. It's just a tough injury to come back from. Scary stuff, Simon. Yeah, I mean, it, it has already taken an enormous amount of time. Like, he is very well on his way to missing half of the games in the season. Oh, yeah. So it's yeah. Uh, yeah, it's just I, I guess it it's that because the muscle like you can't it's really, really difficult to condition with the injury without re aggravating mm-hmm. the injury because it's just involved in every single thing that you're doing. Um because it is such a large muscle that it, it's it's one of those where it it takes so long to come back from because as you're coming back from it you're constantly re aggravating it. Got it. So basically, it. his his he's like anytime I see anyone put anything less than like a three month timetable on a hamstring, I kind of roll my eyes because there's no way it's going to take less than three months, and oftentimes it takes significantly longer than that, and like there's really not a lot you can do other than just rest it. Yeah. Which, Hell, that sucks. Yeah, and who knows? <laughs> like, he doesn't know what his specific injury is, and we don't know what it is, and it sounds like it's not the worst part. Like, it's not the tear, which would be right. which would require surgery, and he would just be out, out. But still, extremely worrisome, and we know, yeah, hammy, hammy, hammy intri- injuries just in general seem to linger, linger, linger. Yeah. Um, do you buy the sort of – there was sort of an informal two-week – timeline thrown out there last Wednesday this, oh, this yeah. Wednesday yeah it just keeps Do you getting think put that's out true? there I have, I doubt it I would bet it's more than that like I imagine they're going to be so cautious with this and I think that they should like we don't need him to play right now I would love him to play I would love for them to be able to develop some on-court chemistry and right to, that's my only thing yeah and to begin to have a sense of how these three superstars interact with one another on the court because we've seen what seven games of it yes yeah so it'd be good to have a bigger <laughs> um sample than seven yeah i continue to love Kyrie and and harden together which i didn't anticipate Oh yeah, um, I think they're just fantastic together. Kyrie is really good off ball, and Harden has seems to ha- seemingly has no trouble when like like games like last night when Kyrie had the hot hand, like he'll just defer. Like he, he's happy to just have him him um, handle the ball. I t- I agree completely. I think they've been really good together, <clears throat> but pretty important that KD gets back out there <laughs> yeah. sometime. Yeah. So then we'll end on a hopeful note. Maybe Ky- KD will come back someday. Yeah. Uh, maybe even in two weeks. Because uh, as expert as we are on so many things, Simon, I think both of us are willing to concede. We don't actually, in spite of me having read a 500-word article by Brian Lewis that interviews Dr. Jezrawi, Neither of us are actually experts on anything to do with the human body. That's correct. All right. Well, I think we have a game tomorrow. Hopefully it's a bounce-back game after that embarrassing loss to a really, really, really bad Orlando Magic team. Um, and then, yeah, next week, well, the trade deadline will have passed if I'm not if you're, I'm you're right. Yeah? You're okay. right. The 25th, I think. Great. So we will know whether or not we can buy out Andre Drummond by then. <laughs> and Gorgie Jang. And yeah. Kelly Olynyk. And then, I mean, if we get one of those guys, any of those guys could help with our ultimate goal of having DeAndre Jordan just be a full-time cheerleader for the team. To- totally agree. All right. Well, thank you all for listening. Simon, could you encourage people to perhaps rate and review? Yes. Folks, think about us for one second. Okay? Maybe two. Maybe three. Send us those reviews. Got to be five-star, please. We love them. You know, you you, you often hear uh, on these podcasts, either you hear ads or 
you hear them say they don't use ads, so they they need your support. Uh, William and I operate on a very different um, (laughs) profit model, which is totally free and no ads. So the only thing we ask of you, please, please, is to give us five-star reviews. Um, And we'd love it if you sent us uh, your thoughts, your comments, your questions to um, maybe next time at gmail.com or um, at maybe next time on Instagram and Twitter. Yes, hit us up. We love to hear from you. It's it's our only form of payment, uh, and like everyone else, we're just trying to get paid. So <laughs> again, hit us up, IG, Gmail, Twitter. We'd love to hear from you. And until then, we'll go ahead and uh, see ya. That's all. I was tired of my lady. We'd been together too long. Like a worn out recording Of a favorite song So while she lay there sleeping I read the paper in bed And in the personal columns There was this letter I read